This morning we began to focus our attention upon that last prayer of Paul in Romans 14 and 15 where he says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful prayer and an opportunity for us, as we talked about it this morning, to see what true unity really means. Of course, this, as I said this morning, was in the context of Paul's prayer of unity for the Roman believers who are differing in their opinions about gray areas. And it caused me to to think about the issue of unity in a wider perspective. Because if Paul is asking for the Romans to be unified, even though they have gray area differences, how are we as Christians called upon to be absolutely unified with regard to the truth? You see, it's one thing for Paul to pray that we would be unified with regard to the differing opinions that we may share. But it's really entirely another thing for us to be mandated, commanded to be unified around the truth. And if you would, I'd like you to turn to John 17 to see this very thing. If we have unity even in the midst of our diversity of opinions, how are we supposed to be unified when it comes to truth? The kind of truth where there is to be no divergence of opinion. Where everyone must believe something that we call truth that if you don't believe it, then there is no basis for unity. And this particular prayer of Paul gives way now to the prayer of Jesus himself, commonly called the high priestly prayer in John 17. Listen to what he says. John 17, 1. When Jesus had spoken these words... He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. 
Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I am praying for the world. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. When Paul prayed for unity in Romans 15, he prayed for the kind of unity even in the midst of a diversity of opinions in the church fellowship. When Jesus prays in John 17, he prays that all of those who are true disciples of his are unified around the truth, not just a diversity of opinion, not just matters of dispute, Not just gray areas, but the truth. For you see, there is no true unity without a unity around the truth. Notice how many times he uses the term word or the term truth. And it's that concept, that idea, in which Jesus is saying there can only be a oneness a true unity around the truth. Notice what he says again in verse 11. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. You hear a lot today, even in ecumenical circles, about unity. And you may even hear within evangelicalism, that kind of ecumenical talk that says, well, we really ought to lower all of the doctrinal standards. We ought to give way to a kind of unity that doesn't put such a premium on doctrine. And yet Jesus says, Holy Father, keep them in your name, that is all that you are, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Well, what is that 
oneness for which Jesus prays. It is a oneness, he says, according to verse 17, a oneness in the sanctification of all true believers in the truth. There is no oneness. There is no unity. There is no true ecumenism if it's not a oneness in the truth. Sanctify them in the truth, Jesus says. And then this, your word is truth. The word is the truth. And the truth is what truly unifies us. There can be no unity except it be around the truth. And when we come to Christmas time, we ask ourselves the question, well then, what kind of truth? There is a lot of things in the Bible that seem to suggest to us that this is truth and that is truth and that's a true statement and that's doctrinally correct. But around Christmas time, the question remains for us, what is the truth of Christmas? And for that, I want you to turn lastly to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. If we are called upon by Paul to be unified with regard to gray areas, and if we are called by Jesus to be unified around the truth, what is the truth? Especially around Christmas time. And here it is. Colossians 1.3 We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth. And then what does he say? The gospel. The gospel. The word of the truth. The gospel. Which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and growing. As it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Paul prays for unity. Jesus prays for unity. And Paul says in Colossians 1, the true unity that we share around Merry Christmas is the truth of the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ did indeed become incarnate, leaving the glories of heaven to come to the earth to redeem humanity so that we might be truly unified. There are many voices that tell us that there are many roads to heaven and that our true ecumenical unity is to believe that all roads are valid. But according to our New Testaments, you have heard and understood the grace of God in truth 
and you have heard in the word of the truth the gospel. And it is faith, verse 4, in Christ Jesus. I place my confidence, my trust, the adherence of my life, my destiny, my future, solely and only upon Jesus Christ, who is that word of the gospel, the truth. If someone tells you and if someone were to tell me that they believe that all roads were valid, that all steps are steps to God and He receives a person who comes to Him in a self-styled way, in a way that they believe was right and proper, that person will be rejected by God. Unless that person places his confidence and trust alone in Christ Jesus, the word of truth, the gospel, the good news. Christmas time is indeed something, as Jim Murray's song suggests, that so easily can distract us into tinsel and lights and presents and the commercialization that we know, especially in America, of Christmas. But that really isn't Christmas at all. It's, at best, a cheap substitute for the season in which we say Jesus Christ, that baby in a manger, is actually a king born to die, to redeem us and to bring us the gospel, the word of truth. That's our unity. And when we place our faith in Christ, then and only then are we truly brought together in unity and peace. Bow together with me in prayer. The Apostle Paul goes on in Colossians 1 to pray yet another prayer. And this is what he says. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father, as we contemplate our true unity as believers, we know it's what Jesus himself prayed, that we would be one even as he and you, Father, are one. And that our unity 
is all of our collective sanctifications in the truth. Your word is truth. That is the word of truth, the gospel. Thank you for delivering us from the domain of darkness and transferring us to the kingdom of your beloved Son. Thank you for our redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Father, I pray that we would experientially know this truth of our fellowship in the gospel. And may it enliven us And may it encourage us that even when we do come to these areas for which we may differ because they are gray, we cannot and we must not differ in the black and white truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, than at the name of Jesus, who is Lord of all. And we exalt him now. Amen.